0: Well, I will log that in the files of useful information that I'm definitely going to need <laughs> in the future. <laughs> oh, yes. Welcome to Charlotte Mason Says. I'm John Chindel, here with my wife, Crystal. Join us as we read and discuss the home education series. Well, welcome back. It's been a wonderful holiday break.
1: We haven't done anything. We are doing this at the normal time. No pre-recording <laughs> the, for us. A
0: week before it's due.
1: <laughs> so today is New Year's Eve, the day we're recording. So
0: It is. So we're counting down until midnight, which we'll probably still be awake for.
1: We are night owls. It does not work well with having children, but we are night owls yeah and it, procrastinators and but but we wrapped presents only until I think 11
0: we did we were actually really good christmas eve so surprisingly well we you had i had wrapped had a couple
1: s- nights before
0: i think it was twice two two nights before i think i wrapped a present or two before that too
1: i was very proud that we did not stay up till like 3 a.m.
0: it it was good also it was just you and i in years past, we've been with family, and that's made it more fun to stay up late.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that this one was just you and I, and also we up more late people anyway. to
1: watch children.
0: Well, that's true. So you can sleep <laughs> in in the morning. All right, so we are about to dive into book one of the home education series named
1: Home Education: Little Housekeeping. We have two giveaways going on. Ooh. In between last episode and this episode, um, a Charlotte Mason plenary has put up an annotated edition of Home Education available. So I have both of those giveaways listed on all our social medias and our website.
0: And it'll be in the show notes of this show. And
1: it will be in the show our notes.
0: Links will be in the show notes.
1: And it will be live until January 11, 2020.
0: So go check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Check out our show notes. If you are not signed up for that giveaway, please do so. The annotated edition is really cool. And also the other book is... The hardcover. The, yeah, that's right. He, he's, he donated the hardcover for us,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is pretty darn cool because so. it's a hardcover.
1: So we've got those going on right now. Also... One thing I would love to do as we're going through the home education series is link to anything and everyone who has talked about the home education series. So if you have a favorite blogger or resource or anything, because home education has been gone through who knows how many times and how many iterations, because it's it's the flagship, it's number one, it's where you start. And I would love to be able to concisely and what's the word
2: well and not only consolidate,
1: that consolidate consolidate There's
2: the word
0: yeah well and not only that if you have a favorite that you think that we should read or look at that you found gave you great insight to this book I, i'd love to read it or at least know that it's around to read so let us let us know again hit us up on facebook instagram <laughs> shoot us an email all of the things
1: all the places
0: Another thing to take note of is that this show and all of our future shows for both Charlotte Mason Says and anything else that we do is brought to you or is hosted by Water and Shade Media, which is the media group that Crystal and I are starting to be not only the host of this show but anything else and then any other projects that we decide to do.
1: And John's new podcast that's coming out – who knows when. <laughs> right? So the idea
0: was to have that one come out. All right, so a little bit of a little bit of promo on that one. So the other show that I'm putting together is called The Living Movies Podcast, or I guess no, the just Living Movies Podcast. And it's a show where I sit down with some friends of mine and we just we talk about movies that are kids movies. We talk, we talk about kids movies with the specific intent of is it worth showing your kids? Does it convey living ideas? So we take the the idea of a living idea from Charlotte Mason. A living book. A living book. Thank you. We take the idea of a living book, which Charlotte Mason speaks of uh, extensively, living books. She also talks about living art. I remember having that discussion at some point as we finished up book two is she talked about having art that was living and not having – I guess art drivel. Twaddle? twaddle, twaddle. I always think it's drivel. Having art twaddle. Well, if if you have books and art, then movies seems to make sense to me as kind of a combination of both of them. It's a visual art that tells a story. A different so, category. Yeah, it's a different category of art and and media, I guess. So we're going to be diving into kids movies and talking about the the ideas that they convey. Uh, what quirks they have, what what historical value they may or may not have, and, and just having a good time talking about movies. So the idea is that that'll release on Thursdays every other week. I currently have one recorded. I'm planning on sitting down at some point over the next couple of weeks and recording another. Um, my plan is still to release that on January 9, though. So be looking out for that. I'm I'm really excited about that project. It's going to be a lot of fun for me because I love movies and I love talking about them. Cool. All right, so there's there's a plug for that. Go so go check that out uh, wherever you find podcasts. That'll that'll be Living Movies podcast.
1: And if you're listening for my voice, don't listen to this one because I'm not going to be on it.
0: No, Crystal's not going to be on this one. This will be just me and and some other friends of mine. Okay, so let's see. Let's get into... Is that housekeeping? I think that's all the housekeeping items. Let's actually get into this book. So we wanted to start with the preface to the fourth edition of book one, Home Education.
1: So page, what is that? X- XVI. Page 16.
0: 16. Oh, Roman numerals. The bane of we my existence. We
1: finished last season by going over the principles, so we are not going to do that again. At least not until we're done with the book.
0: That's true. I, you know what? I probably would enjoy going through the principles again at the end of this book, especially the ones outlined in this one. I guess they're not any different in this one than they no, were in the No,
1: last... this one has the same. It's it's um, it's the last one. Number six that book has six. the different numbering.
0: The updated ones.
1: Anyways, the preface to this fourth edition gives a general outline of what she wants to do, starting with – Putting forth a method of education resting upon a basis of natural law. That's what she's trying to do. Which, honestly, that kind of, it gives me, you, you you kind of read Charlotte Mason and you go, oh, this is like the way, the only way. But if this is a method of education resting on a basis of natural law, there can be other methods of education also resting on a basis of natural law. Right. So it's not like my way or the highway. As long as it's thought out and clear.
0: Well, that's honestly, that's one of the things I'm excited to get into in this book is actually what she did specifically. And we're going to talk about it as we dive into the first first couple of pages here. But she talks about a method as compared to a system and how a method can easily. Devolve or evolve into a system. Mm -hmm. And I, I could very easily see someone taking the the way that Charlotte Mason approached education and turning it into a system mm-hmm. with rules and grades and curriculum that you follow to the letter so I, i'm i'm excited to get into this and figure out what actually the the physical what you do in her method is mm-hmm. because right now at this point we have i have a pretty solid idea of what her philosophy is why you educate, the goals of your education, where you want the child to end up, but it's the it's the specifics about how you implement that philosophy. But I definitely agree. I, I, I feel like with that statement right there, there there are multiple ways that you should be able to go about implementing this method. I
1: don't know. It I felt it gave you some freedom. And and while she's putting forth an option she also acknowledges that it is an option not necessarily the only way she obviously thinks it's the best way Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily the only way right and also she wants to touch on the mother's duties to her children and she quotes from the reverend f.d maurice who was from 1805 to 1872 an English-Anglican theologian, an author, and one of the founders of Christian socialism. He founded Queen's College for Women in 1848, and it was a school for governesses. So he had Interesting. he had a, a practical application of his belief in women and teaching. So not only did he talk about it, but he started a college.
0: But he applied it. With the intention of teaching women to do jobs, which is something Charlotte Mason's going to get into a little bit here in a minute
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's interesting
1: so then into this book, this volume is specifically for the period of a child's life between his sixth and ninth year, used to lay a basis of a liberal education and of the habit of reading for instruction mm-hmm. so it's 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 pretty narrowly focused, and she talks about the fact that she gets a lot of her habit knowledge from Dr. Carpenter's mental physiology. And he also he taught at the first higher education college for women in the UK at Bedford College. Interesting. So both both of these men were into education for women.
0: Gotcha. So right before right before she talks about Dr. Carpenter, she says the partic- the particular object of this volume is to show the bearing of the physiology of habit upon education, why certain physical, intellectual, and moral habits are a valuable asset to a child, and what may be done toward the formation of such habits. So that is the object of the volume, is formation of habits.
1: As it concerns education. As it concerns education.
0: Both physical,
1: intellectual, and moral.
0: Right. So so the formation of habits, physical, intellectual, and moral, during the child's life between six and nine. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So it was, like she said, delivered as a lecture, a series of lectures, and she has moved some of her lectures into Volume, volume 3, School Education, and added a lot more um, into Part 5, Lessons as Instruments of Education. Yeah. So, you ready?
0: I guess we're diving in. <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be interesting. So, home Education, part One so now, before we start this, the way that we're planning on breaking this out is as close as we can to about ten page increments mm-hmm. because this one doesn't break out as cleanly as parents and children did where it was just each chapter, and we would do each chapter, so this one's going to be a little more sporadic and herky jerky, I think, but we're going to try and we're going to try and group parts together as they seem fit but also as makes sense for a, a decent recording length.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So today we're in part one, the first two sections, some preliminary considerations, and one, a method of education.
0: One other thing to take note of is while we were doing parents and children, we were also recording the audio for it for, for folks who are auditory learners. The reason we did that for parents and children was because there was no audio recording available at the time. And there is for for this book for home education.
1: You can find a free copy on LibriVox. You can find a copy from a delectable education on their website.
0: So there's a couple different meth or there's a couple different routes you can go to find a recording of this one. So we will not be recording the readings of this because there's You can already get them in other places. So we'll go ahead and let you find those other places and and we'll just talk about it as we go. Yep. So this first section I thought was fascinating. Uh, She ends by saying, we shall see all women with the capacity to work falling into the ranks of working women with definite tasks, fixed hours, and for wages, the pleasure and honor of doing useful work if they're under no necessity to earn money. And holy cow, was Charlotte Mason a prophet? Because that's what we see today.
1: Well, I pulled a timeline from Wikipedia about women in the workforce. Okay. And it was saying that they gained the increase of women in the labor force in Western countries, gained momentum in the late 19th century. From this point, women, at that point, women married early on and were defined by their marriages. And if they entered the workforce, it was out of necessity. Right. Right. So from 1890 to 1930, women in the workforce were typically young and unmarried. Towards the end of the 1920s, we start entering the second phase where married women begin to exit the workforce less and less. And also, laws requiring like, that forced women out of the workforce when they got married were eliminated, allowing more participation for married women because gotcha. now it was legal.
0: Because now it's not illegal.
1: Exactly. Um, and women did not normally work to fulfill a personal need to define one's character or social worth. They worked out of necessity. So that's this, the first phase, first and second phase. And then the third phase, um, the 50s to the 70s, kind of started roots of a revolution where women would go to college and work through marriage, maybe even go to grad school. But a lot still had an expe- expectation of a brief workforce participation followed by not necessarily a career but marriage and kids and home life. Right. And the fourth phase known as the quiet revolution began in the 70s and continues today where instead of going to kind of pink collar job like teaching and nursing and and that's kind of fields they would start entering medicine law dental business and expanding their own horizons and what it means to have identity as a working person. And yeah, it just, it, it it progressed from there. So there's a brief timeline of women in the workplace.
0: Interesting. Well, and and it kind of proves the point that she legitimately was a prophet and saw that that was coming. Yeah. Because that's how we live today. Women Women are in the workforce just as much as men are. And also... And this is one thing that I'll be interested to get into as we go through this book. There are stay-at-home dads now. Mm -hmm. When I don't know if that was even a thing when she was writing these books. If there was a stay-at-home dad, it was because there was enough wealth that dad could stay home.
1: Either enough wealth or the necessity.
0: Or a necessity, right. I guess that would be the other side of the coin, either wealth or necessity. Mm -hmm. But at this point, there are families where the husband and wife have decided that Dad's going to be the stay home parent, and Mom's going to go be the breadwinner,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's perfectly okay. But I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see how that'll play out over many years with with children's psyches, because she she does talk about women being the primary educator here, and by saying play out over children's psyches, I don't I don't see it being a bad thing. It it it's just a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's something to keep in mind, as especially if you're a single father, or not a single father, but it well, I guess a single father, a stay-at-home father, the primary educator of your children as a father. To, I guess, to put yourself in that role of primary educator, which she's talking about as mother in this in this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a phrase here at the very beginning that I found very interesting. The phrase "work that obtains." in the second line it is implying that there is other work that is done but work that obtains obtains either the 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 pleasure and honor of useful work or for wages i don't know i i thought that was a interesting phrase phraseology so
0: work that obtains instead of just i guess work for
1: work for the house work for the the household and doing that kind of stuff
0: gotcha paid paid labor. Yeah. So the next or the first section we move into here is children are a public trust. And this is something I remember talking about early in Parents and Children and being kind of agreeing but also not totally. And I think I think that might be where we see some some British and American differences in ideology at least British in the late 1800s and English in the early 2000s, not English, American.
1: It was early because it was chapter one.
0: Was it chapter one? It was
1: chapter one.
0: Well, it was definitely early in that book then.
1: For reference, that's episode four.
0: Yeah, and we'll probably be doing that quite a bit. I have I have a note like that uh, in a couple of pages.
1: Um, e- either way, this is irregardless of, of that stuff. The work which is of the most importance to society is the bringing up and instruction of children. In the school, certainly, but far more in the home, because it is more than anything else the home influences brought to bear upon the child that determine the character and career of the future man or woman.
0: Yeah, home is where children learn to be adults. Yeah. Home is where they learn work ethic. Home is where they learn habits that will benefit them for the rest of their lives or hinder them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, not a big deal.
1: Just you know the entire weight of society. Yeah. The just to touch on it, the children are less personal property and more public trust is more that they're being taught along the lines of what um, is beneficial to the society.
0: Yes, and I agree, but she gets
1: it it benefits a society to have people who are truthful to have people who are upright to have people who are moral and as we are raising the future business people politicians uh etc in life that's what we're aiming for
0: yes and i agree with all of that and and we'll talk about the, this isn't the issue, or this isn't the section i had issues with that's in a couple pages but we'll get there
1: and back to what you're saying about having the the father be the primary at-home caregiver well, it's it's more that the 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 duty is not given over to indifferent persons
0: right well that's what she talks about right here and and that's that's why i brought it up so I, i'm you know i'm jumping ahead of myself <laughs> but she says this responsibility this this raising of children uh, the responsibility is not equally divided between the parents it is upon the mothers of the present that the future of the world depends in even a greater degree than upon the fathers, because it is the mothers who have the sole direction of the child's early, most impressible years. So it's that last phrase right there. It's because mothers are there at the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if it's a father who's there at the beginning, then it's, it's not equally divided among the parents. It falls upon the father. Mm-hmm. Because it's the father that's there in those early years, mm-hmm. even even though there's still something special about mom. Mm-hmm. There, there's in a, in a family for children. There's something special about mom because mom is different than dad. So that that's that's why it makes me. I, I don't know if if eager or interested is the wrong word, but but it makes me kind of want to see the. I don't know statistics and and long long view on well what does it actually look like to have dad stay home Mm -hmm. since we've never been in a society where that's a normal thing and now we are in a society where that can be a normal thing and it's becoming more normal year by year so i'm i'm interested (laughs) so then we move over to mothers who owe or mothers owe a thinking love to their children
1: and this is A quote from Pestalozzi. He was a Swiss pedagogue and educational reformer from 1746 to 1827. And it was under him that illiteracy was basically eradicated in Switzerland.
0: That's right. He was the one who who developed the the Sunday school programs early, right?
1: I don't know. I didn't write that down. I
0: want to say it is. Because that's how illiteracy was eradicated, was through Sunday schools where the children came to church and they learned Bible, but they also learned reading and writing.
1: It could have been. I did not. I think I, ca- it I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> His motto was learning by head, hand, and heart. So he died in 1827 and Charlotte Mason actually trained at a Pestalozzi school. In England in 1860s. Oh. So she got a lot of her education from his theories.
0: From Pestalozzi's theories. Interesting.
1: Oh, and this quote is specifically from Letters on Early Education Addressed to J.P. Greaves Esquire in 1818.
0: Well, I will log that in the files of useful information that I'm definitely going to (laughs) need in the future.
2: Oh, Yes. (laughs)
0: So let's see, honestly, this, this reminds me a lot of the first couple chapters of parents and children. Uh, She says, we're waking up to our duties and in proportion, as mothers become more highly educated and efficient, they will doubtless feel the more strongly that the education of their children during the first six years of life is an undertaking hardly to be entrusted to any hands, but their own.
1: And treating it as a profession with the diligence, regularity, and punctuality which men bestow on their professional labors. So it's not just a haphazard, we're just going to go through life. Yeah. there, There is intentionality there. Well, but in order to have that intentionality, you need to have something more than a hearsay acquaintance with the theory of education, which is what this entire series is all about. Right. Having... A knowledge of a theory of education.
0: I I read that and went, oh, you should go read volume two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So then Mr. Herbert Spencer comes onto the scene.
0: And Charlotte Mason does her her typical trick of, ooh, I need to fill out word count. Here, let me grab a giant (laughs) quote from somebody and just put this in under its own heading. Because this entire next section is a quote.
1: He was... Um, Born in 1820 and lived until 1903. He was an English philosopher, biologist, anthropologist, sociologist. She doesn't fully agree with everything he taught, but, I mean, she quotes him here.
0: She quotes him for a long time.
1: And it's talking about how the current education of children, both physical, moral, and intellectual, intellectual, is dreadfully defective. In great measure because parents are devoid of the training to appropriately raise children. He says, you know, if you're shoemaking or house building or managing a ship or a locomotive engine, you have a long apprenticeship. But is it not madness to make no provision for the task of raising children and educating children?
0: Right. It's kind of a big deal.
1: And then talked about some indisputable facts. Development of children in mind and body follows certain laws. And unless those laws are to some degree conformed to by parents, death is inevitable.
0: Just death. Just death. Yes. Not a big deal. <laughs> you know, death.
1: Again, it's it's a why should we learn? Well, this is, as we've already mentioned, one of the highest things that you can do. Yeah the most important work to society
0: it is it is well in a lot of a lot of the beginning of uh, book 2 she talked about the the raising of society through generations and it starts fixing society starts at the family
2: mm-hmm.
0: so the next section she goes into is typical education uh, it's how parents usually proceed and I wasn't quite sure about this because she starts off with the empty vessel idea. She like says, "Unwritten tablet." Yeah, well, she uses "unwritten tablet" here. She says the parent begins instinctively by regarding his child as an unwritten tablet, and is filled with great resolves as to what shall be written thereon. Which Charlotte Mason has throughout the whole of Book Two. She pounds on the fact that she doesn't like the empty vessel idea
1: because children are persons because
0: children are persons they're not just vessels to be to have ideas dumped upon
1: well and i think instinctively at the very beginning they don't appear to be their own person and that's that's where she's going with you know you see this newborn and it's easy to be well this is just I, i can i can help form this person however they go i am the one influence on their lives right now
0: Right. okay
1: So that's that's an easy, easy thing to easy jump to make. But then she's saying, you know, by the time the child shows himself to be a complete human being, then the parents have to change their thinking.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: And so as the child begins to do things, then the parents recede and it's it's good for them to see that. And But it says, but Othello loses his occupation. And I didn't get that reference. It It's a Shakespeare reference to a play I've actually not read. But the internet is amazing. Basically, Othello is erroneously believed to have his wife be unfaithful to him. And so Othello sees that as inevitable that he will become a person made of fun, made fun of. So by being disrespected, he loses his occupation, losing his occupation and position as a supreme military leader. Othello ceases to be Othello. So by by losing who you are to the child, who are you? Hmm. I don't know. It's
0: well, it, it. Yeah, I mean her. So her her next line there is: uh, the more the child shapes his own course, the less do the parents find to do. Beyond feeding him with food convenient, whether of love or thought, or of bodily meat and drink. It's the whole working yourself out of a job, Mm -hmm. which is the goal of parenting. And so, yeah.
1: And again, here we may notice the parents need only supply. The child knows well enough how to appropriate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but here's a nod to living stuff. The parents' chief care is that that which they supply shall be wholesome and nourishing. Whether picture books, lessons, playmates, bread, milk, mother's love.
1: Well, hold on, hold on. You you glanced over this. Whether by way of picture books, inspiring ideas, living books, lessons, living p- living ways of I, of transmitting ideas, mm-hmm. playmates, good companions for you to grow up with, mm-hmm. bread and milk, nourishing food to sustain your body and and mother's love a familial basis um the the grounding where you can grow your roots so you can do whatever right so i don't i just saw that
0: right no i i didn't mean to to skip over those what what i thought was interesting is that she's talking about living stuff and mm-hmm. and and these are all things none of them can we take for granted they we we need to make sure that all of them are living things. Mm-hmm. We don't give our children twaddle for books. We also don't give our children twaddle for lessons or playmates or food or love. I, living, living books is a, is a through theme in, in everything Charlotte Mason I've read so far. Mm-hmm. But these other things are just important to have be living as well. Yeah. So she goes on, uh, she says, nothing could be better for the child than this masterly inactivity. Oh, did I skip something important?
1: Just the, first, the line right before that. Right. They let their children alone, allowing human nature to develop on its own lines, modified by facts of environment and descent.
0: Right. So children are doing their own educating of themselves based on the living things that the, ch- that the parents are providing them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then nothing could be better for the child than this masterly inactivity so far as it goes. It is well he should be let to grow and helped to grow according to his nature. And so long as the parents don't step in to spoil him, much good can come. And no very evident harden comes from letting him alone. So give your children good stuff and, and let, him, let him read it. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me, we've been we've been struggling with our oldest at this point to sit down and do school and listen to books and narrate them. But we've had some some issues with him come up recently and some disciplinary stuff. And one of one of the the ways we're trying to go about teaching him is to give him stories to read and and almost meditate on. And the first one Crystal gave him you need to read this and then by the end of the day you're going to narrate it back to me. And he was just he was having none of it. I'll narrate it tomorrow or the day after that. Well, finally came around and he read it a couple of times and narrated it. And so, so today you got him a different book and he read it and then narrated it back. Yep. And it's the idea of, well, he can read. You gave him a thing of value to him at that time in that moment. He read it on his own. On his own time, at his own pace, and then write it back to you because it's his thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it was it. It's something I f- I found fascinating, especially in light of this, this right here.
1: Well, and I think this is even before reading the the masterly inactivity. That's the, the time to process things. Yes. Well, and while this covers a part, it does not cover the serious part of the parents' calling.
0: Well, because I'd like to say that I let my children uh, master masterly inactivity inactivity by ignoring them for long periods of time.
1: You are very good at it. I know. And they ignore you as well.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: It's so
0: (laughs) frustrating. We we ignore each other well. They go off and play, and I do too. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) And every once in a while, they'll bring me a thing, and I'll look at it, and, wow, that's cool. And, And then they'll go back to doing their thing you go kids go do your thing it's great
1: <laughs> this great teacher among us um is the reverend fd morris
0: where are we at
1: um page 5 at the bottom a generation ago a great teacher amongst us never wearied about reiterating that the divine plan
0: gotcha okay sorry you you, you jumped a bit
1: i jumped a half a paragraph you
0: did you did. It wasn't very far. Sorry, I, f- I forgot that she even had a person here. So who who is this great teacher who a generation ago never wearied <laughs> of reiterating that in the divine plan, the family is the unit of the nation?
1: It was F.D. Maurice. <laughs> and that's the part that you take... Issue
2: with
0: right. So on the next page, she says, Children are the property of the nation, to be brought up for the nation as is best for the nation, and not according to the whim of individual parents. The law is for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. So practically, parents have very free play, but it is as well we should remember that the children are a national trust. Whose bringing up is the concern of all, even those unmarried and childless persons whose part in the game is a ra- is the rather dreary one of looking on. It's the legal and almost militant wording that I struggle with. That they're the property of the nation. That it's the law is for punishment of evildoers. It's
1: well, even the Bible says that.
0: But the Bible says it that the children are the property of the nation. The nation being either the nation of Israel, or or the the body of believers.
2: Well,
1: no, the law is for the punishment of evildoers. Part,
0: well, yeah, that's also true. I, yeah, it's I, I guess it's the fact that she's saying the children are the property of the nation, and I take issue with, I guess that specific word, the the property of. Because we're not property of a nation. We, we are our own free individuals who have grouped together in a society to live in accordance with one another.
1: Your American is showing. It it's so
0: <laughs> is. And I think this is her Brit showing. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just, man, it, 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 it grates on my spine when I read that.
1: A hundred years ago, Brit.
0: A hundred years ago, Brit. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I take some issue with, with the language of that paragraph.
1: Well, and that actually concludes that first section of some pl- preliminary considerations.
0: It does. Although as much as I say I disagree with the specific language she uses, the, the spirit of it makes sense. The children are for the nation. And we are tr- – it is our goal to raise our children to be individual citizens of the nation. To mm-hmm. be good and useful for the nation to to edify those around them to 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 bring life I guess it's just the word property that <laughs> that irks you <sighs> yep it it triggers me I'm triggered oh my <clears throat> goodness, you millennial
2: <laughs> I'm, yep. anyways
1: one a method of education, so she starts talking about traditional methods where basically. The scientific revolutions have thrown out the traditions of the elders as being a highly esteemed form of education. And so now we have to... We're kind of floundering as to what we do. And we have to find out what we're doing in as far as education goes. She's put in... A few examples. The first is the mother using the slipper now and then, where now it's pretty much generally disallowed. And again, the for the food, plainer the better, hunger's the sauce, where now it's they have at least as nourish, as appetizing as adults have. If not, they get their choice of foods. And again, the, another example, the principle of hardness where the child is uh, brought up extremely tough but now they're not allowed to suffer fatigue or exposure
0: so she's kind of outlining the the history and the ways we used to do things as and how they've changed and what they are now now being her her time
1: um formerly they were brought up in subjection now the elders give place and the world is made for the children Another example was in French Home Life, which is a book, not a magazine or something, about the the parents fake going to sleep so that their child would be happy instead of going out to dinner.
0: Oh, that's what that is. Okay. I was having – I wasn't quite sure where she was going with that because, well, we do that too. We don't leave the house until the children are asleep because, well, it's just easier on everyone.
1: No, this is the child said, you're not leaving, you're going to sleep with me. And they're getting ready to go to a dinner party.
0: Yeah, so instead they went to sleep.
1: It's the idea of, you know, taking off your formal dress, all your jewels, all everything that you just did to get ready. Because your three-year-old wants you to. And your three-year-old wants you to stay with her until she's asleep. Which is interesting, because we have a, well, I guess she's freshly turned four. We don't have a three-year-old right now. We do
0: not have any three-year-olds in our house.
1: Huh. No three-year-olds here.
0: No three-year-olds. <laughs> Although someone did tell me at Lowe's when I was buying some things earlier that she noticed I had twins. And I was like, oh, how old are they? And I was like, "They're eh, two and change. She's like, oh, three is worse. Okay. Thanks, lady. I, we're leaving now. <laughs> we had a connection and then you just destroyed it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Goes back to the whole, your mindset towards the age determines how it actually goes. So basically she says, if a parent who does not follow reasonably a method of education fully thought out fails, now more than ever, to fulfill the claims his children have upon him. And those claims go back to that thinking love and that... The, the, our work of society is bringing up and instructing children.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So full circle, in order to do this properly, we need to think out, fully thought, think out our method of education and follow it.
0: So that brings up the next question. What is a method?
1: We talked about system and method a lot in chapter 16 of Parents and Children, which was episode 38.
0: Mm-hmm. I had that written down as well.
1: Ha ha. Yes. Great we, minds.
0: We remember things.
1: No, I looked them up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking about them. I, I looked it up also. So she's, <laughs> she starts out here. Method implies two things, a way to an end, and step-by-step progress in that way. Further, the following of a method implies an idea, a mental image of the end or object to be arrived at.
1: It's natural, easy, yielding, unobtrusive, simple, just like nature. Watchful, careful, all-pervading, all-compelling. Compared to, skip over to the next page, a system, which is observing of rules until the habit of doing certain things, behaving certain ways, is confirmed. Therefore, the art is acquired. The system is successful in achieving precise results. And... She said, goes on to say, it's no wonder that endless attempts to straighten the whole field of education to the limits of a system are there.
0: Well, if a human being were a machine, the work of the educator would be simply to adopt a good working system or set of systems. So one of the one of the things that I've heard about the United States or the American education system, and if you're an educational historian, please correct me if I'm wrong here because – I don't exactly know what I'm talking about, but one of the reasons we have our educational system set up the way we do right now is that we were looking to try and train people to be factory workers, to sit quietly and do their job and not complain, to take breaks when the whistle blows and come back and do your work. And so we were trying to train people to be machines, to work as machines so that in the factories they would just be machines and do their job and go home and be happy about it. And so that, that struck me that sentence there that, Hey, that's that we legitimately tried to do that.
1: Tried to make machines.
0: Yeah. We tried to make machines and, and I feel like we were pretty successful at it, but that's not, she she goes on, she says, but the educator has to deal with a self-acting, self-developing being, and his business is to guide and assist in the production of the latent good in that being. The dissipation of the latent evil, the preparation of the child to take his place in the world at his best, with every capacity for good that is in him developed into a power. So Charlotte Mason doesn't want us to breed little machines that are just good for working. She wants our children to become living, thinking, breathing people capable of doing things.
1: A living, growing, most complex human being. Yeah. And she specifically points this difference out the system and a method because parents let themselves be run away often by some plausible system. The object of which is to de- produce development in one direction of, whether it's the muscles, the memory, the reasoning, and to rest content as if that was enough. Which that still happens today. You know, one of the biggest questions is what curriculum do I use for my child? Yep. What what curriculum? What curriculum can I use? Which, which one will be the best?
0: Well, my mom worked for years at, at a resource center in Albuquerque. And that's the answer or that's the question she answered whenever anybody came in.
1: But then the question comes, do they apply it as a system or as a method? Right. Is it a tool or is it a master? Yeah. So systems are easy. It gives easy satisfaction because it's more agreeable than the constant watchfulness and the unforeseen action called for when the whole of a child's existence is used as the means of his education. So who can do this? Who can be so comprehensive, so incessant? A parent must be willing to undergo any definite labors for his child's sake, but always must be catering for his behoove, always contriving that circumstances should play upon him for this good. And that's the part of a god, not of man. And so it's, she, she goes, well, this is huge. This is almost more than a mortal can do.
0: But but she brings it back. She says, but the fact is that a few broad essential principles cover the whole field. And these once fully laid hold of, it is as easy and natural to act upon them as it is to act upon our knowledge of such facts as that fire burns and water flows. My endeavor in this and the following chapters will be to put these few fundamental principles before you in their practical bearing. So she, she goes, she creates this big thing in that that the education of a child in this in this way is is so big and it's so grand and, and a mere mortal can't do this but but we can do it and and we're going to figure out how yeah
1: and what we're going to get into next is some pre- preliminary some more preliminary questions laying the groundwork before she actually gets into those few fundamental principles but that's not for this week. We nope. just finished.
0: Nope, that's that was the first 10 pages legitimately, pages 1 through 10.
1: So, welcome back. It's exciting to be back. It's good
0: to be back. I'm I know we said this any number of times as we finished up the last book, but I'm I'm very excited to be diving into this book. Because I like I said, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of her philosophy. Now I'm interested to get into the meat of what our actual method is and see what it, see what this thing is. So yeah, if you're still here with us, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, If you can, or if you'd like to give us a review on, on whatever podcast platform you're using, Uh, it, it definitely helps. Also reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook or shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We enjoy, we enjoy comments, whether they're, uh rooting for us or telling us that I'm a moron cuz that happens
1: one of i had a friend point this out one of the drawbacks of a podcast is the lack of ability to comment directly on the podcast oh yes you can go to our website and do that you can go to other platforms and yeah, do that that's true but just it it's it's another step to take
0: yeah
1: so it's it's a little harder to build that type of community.
0: That's true. That is true because you do have to take that extra step. But I will say we we try and be pretty quick to respond. And so even if you just shoot us a tweet or something or or I mean I guess finding our Instagram and posting on that is a couple extra steps, but but yeah, I mean, we're it, it is it is a drawback of the medium, yeah. And I and I know that from the podcasts I listen to. I feel like I have a relationship with the people I listen to, even though they don't know me from Adam.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But but I I know them. I know their voices. I know their personalities. I know what they like and don't like.
1: It was an interesting thought. It is that you have to go to a different platform to engage, as opposed to one platform for everything.
0: Right? Like if if. Oh, this is the other thing. We're planning on posting these to YouTube, aren't we?
2: We are.
0: So that's the other thing is if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hit like and subscribe. And then also hit the, the little bell notification thing so you actually get a notification for when you're listening to it on YouTube. Crystal's looking at me with a blank I view because no she has no idea. idea what I'm talking about. I don't YouTube. But if you watch YouTube videos, you know that everyone who posts a YouTube videos says that... <clears throat> excuse me. But if... <laughs> But if you watch YouTube videos, you know that that's the same thing all of them say is hit like and subscribe and then hit the little notification bell so that you'll be notified every time we drop a new episode, which is going to be sure. once a week. <laughs> so it's less important than most others. But do those things. But that is one, one benefit that the YouTube platform offers is that you have that comment section right there ready to go all the time. That's true. So I, I honestly, I don't – I have not even looked at our – youtube thing I, I don't know how youtube comments stuff or interactions work so that'll be something new to find out <laughs> but if you are watching it on youtube feel free to comment and and tell us tell us how right or wrong we are
1: and how to use youtube better. and how do you and how to use
0: youtube better <laughs> who knows maybe it'll be a good thing for us
1: i bet there are youtube tutorials about how to use youtube
0: yeah i don't do tutorials they're lame so i've gotten this far in my life
1: I replaced a window in a door because of
0: YouTube. I've done a lot of things because of YouTube.
1: I was very proud of that one.
0: I've changed brakes. I'm going to change the oil on my motorcycle here pretty soon. I'm excited about that.
1: Anyways, we digress. Good night.
0: Thank you for listening. Join the conversation with us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter.